Hi there. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We'd like to take a moment to announce that we are launching a Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash TalkingTolkien. We'll also post it on our Facebook and Twitter. We'd appreciate it if you'd take a moment to check out the Patreon and hopefully give some money. Obviously, you don't need to give. We'd appreciate you sharing our podcast just as much. With just a little bit of extra funding, we'll be able to buy server space, equipment, and other necessities to help our podcast grow. Eventually, our plan is to offer other podcasts about other beloved works and overlooked classics. Thanks. to Talking Tolkien. This is our very last episode of The Hobbit proper. Mm-hmm. We will have one more movie episode, unfortunately. <laughs> but after that, we will move on to Lord of the Rings. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. So before we get into um, the meat of the episode, we'd like to take a moment to uh, ask you guys to take a quick survey, if you would be willing. Just go to TalkingTolkien.com survey. We're just trying to get a little bit more information about our listeners so we can help make the podcast better. Yay. Help make our editing better, too. <laughs> yeah. Make everything better. Help us to help you. Help us to help you. Yeah, by giving us foot massages. That Wait, is that from something? And pizza. I, uh, that, was, that was a Dr. Cox mm, moment from Scrubs. Put it on the pizza. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Back to your regular schedule, Talking Tolkien. Yeah. Chapter 18 yeah. and 19. Hey, guys. So, I have now read... Another Tolkien book. You have now read. Yay. I am two, two, two for five. I'm so well. Five of all right. The two, vast two of three. <laughs> well, I found a new one today. Well, so whatever. yeah, that's a, that's some fun. Yeah, so as we, re- so there's, as yeah. we record this, they've announced that they're publishing a previously unreleased, except for in a like specific single journal. Yeah. It, supposedly, it's the first like full manuscript he completed. Basically, yeah. So basically, uh, I, I should have brought this up earlier. What's it called? So like a cucaracha? It. Uh, <laughs> like it's, it's a weird name, and from what I can gather, it's not based in Middle Earth. No, huh. it's um, it's his own kind of interpretation of um, or not interpretation. Story of cucaracha. Yeah, his, his version of Calervo. Um, who is oh, a character okay. from the Kalevala, yeah. which is basically morphed into Turin, which we remember from Turin Turinbar from yeah, the Silmarillion. Yeah. So we have that to look forward to. I thought um, Turin was a city in Italy. Yeah, that too. When's it coming out? That hosted the that 2006 Winter Olympics. <laughs> Are we going to find I know, it? Katie. I've been to Torino. <laughs> I went to Torino to see the architecture of Guarino. Seriously, his name is Guarino Guarini. Why would you name your kid Guarino Guarini? Why wouldn't you name your it kid Guarino Guarini? That sounds like bad droppings. That's like if, if, they, if your mom named you Saba Sabo. Why wouldn't she? Have, she could have named me Saba. That's Sabo not a bad name. I mean, my neighbor growing up was named Saba, but her last name was not Sabo. I know Saba Sabo. Well, some people name their children Mark Marks or Steve Stevens. Or I guess my uncle like is Jonathan Johnson. <laughs> That's pretty good. Now we're we gonna find out in that we're book that Iluvatar was a, r- a hardcore racist or something. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a t- you can't see look. it, but I'm giving That's Chase. I'm giving Chase a death, a death slash, look. I deserve slash it. That was a bad judging joke. look. Yeah, you deserve that. Um, but so anyway, um, last time, where were we? What did we? The Battle of Five Armies yeah, happened. Last time, the Battle of Five Armies happened. Um, much of which Bilbo did not witness because he got knocked out by a well, falling rock. <laughs> and arguably the dwarves came out and kind of, well, at least Thorin redeemed mm-hmm. himself because, he, because the dwarves and men and elves fought together against yeah. the goblins and then the elves came. I mean, not the elves, the eagles. Mm-hmm. Way different. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. the dude is like, I don't like the eagles. And then he got thrown out of a cast. <laughs> and then Tara Reed drove and by. And he just wanted his Credence tape back. <laughs> um... So you know, now here let, we are. Let's, let's do a comparative literary analysis of the dude and Bilbo as like kind of. But Bilbo all, loves the all eagle. All he Not wants to be, yeah, but all he wants to be is just back home with his rugs and his weed. Yeah, and exactly. His food. There you so, go. And, I mean, and they're all kind of like. And the difference is the dude hates the eagles, and Bilbo loves the well, eagles. Well, but like neither one of them is really the primary actor in their own story. No, they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, huh. so there we go. We we have a new comparison. We have Jeff we Bridges have is Bilbo. The Hobbit meets. Oh the my Big god! Lebowski. Oh my god! If Jeff Bridges is Bilbo, does that mean that uh, 
that Walter is Gandalf. That's already within my my vision oh my of of Gandalf in my brain right now. Who's Donnie? Thorin. <laughs> no, 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 no. Donnie would be like uh, Feely or something I was like say that. Biff, buffer, bomber, 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 really? Actually, yeah, yeah. I would think bomber. I feel like Walter. I feel like that's more. I feel like Walter's more Thorin. Like that just seems more appropriate, especially how this last few parts. Of this yeah. book ended Oh my up god, being. that means that Mod would be Gandalf. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Cast Julian Moore yes. as Gandalf. There we go. Okay, I like this. Okay, so anyway, Bilbo, aka the <laughs> anyway, dude, here we go wakes the, up. Yeah, starting the return journey. <laughs> and and somebody is like, he's basically abandoned. There's nobody nearby. Yeah. And then he hears somebody coming, and he shouts out, "Hello!" <laughs> or like, "Hello, hello." Okay, so actually, linguistically, H U L L O and H E L L O are like different. Yeah. In, yeah. I, I, I'm sure there are some dialects of English in which they are pronounced differently. I do not pronounce them differently, but. Hello did not become the standard English greeting until it was popularized as the standard way to answer a telephone. Yeah. Because Alexander Graham Bell... Holy invent- crap, that's yeah, fascinating. Alexander Graham Bell, who invented, as we know, the telephone, um, realized that we needed like a signal to be... To, to, you know, to notify people that you had picked up and you yeah. were listening. Mm-hmm. And his proposal was actually ahoy hoy. Oh, oh, I man. wish that kept. Right? I'm oh. going to start greeting everybody in life. Ahoy hoy. So ahoy, ahoy. everybody. I, I'm not sure the specifics, but hello, you know, H-E-L-O became the standard, you know, I am greeting, yeah. Like I, I'm greeting you and also acknowledging that I have answered the phone. Yeah. And then that just kind of trickled down through society to become our standard greeting. But anyway, this was hello and hello. not hello. <laughs> it's actually Hulo. <laughs> Hulo. Well, and he, no. Bilbo hear, he hears somebody nearby, and he starts like calling out to them, and then they're like, "What? What? 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 Then he what, realizes, what, what? Oh, oh yeah, yeah you can't right. see me. What voice is it that speaks among the stone? <laughs> he says something like, "It's like I've been like." He makes like a joke about the invisibility. He too. says this invisibility has its drawbacks after all. Yeah, yeah that yeah. Yeah. So removes the ring, and now the the guy finds him, and good thing because he had been sent back to search for the last time to try and find Bilbo because apparently they'd been searching for him for a while, and we're ready to call him dead. Yeah. Um, and so he says, "It's me, Bilbo Baggins, companion of Thorin." And the herald is like, "Oh, Gandalf the Wizard said your voice was last heard in this place, so we sent like this last." Uh, kind of envoy to find you. Anyway, you really need to hurry. It's really time important, but I'm not going to tell you why. So he like gets back to camp. He he, he gets carried back to camp. Yeah, I know. Okay. I just imagine like two people on like either side like holding him up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just the one it's guy. Just, yeah, just the one guy. It was, it was just the guy. Yeah, and he. Oh, and okay. that was like a very adorable Hobbit piggyback ride. Yeah. Well, Hobbits can't. Or weigh like that a caveman so. carry or something. I yeah, know, like a fat you. Hobbit probably still wouldn't weigh more like than one. 185 yeah. pounds or something. Okay, that's incredibly. That's fat. really fat. But anyway, anyway, imagine a 180 foot like five year old. Let's remember though that Bilbo has not had his standard. Yeah, he's probably like seven. Meals he's probably a day. like 90 pounds right now. Because several times throughout the story, they've hitched their belts a little tighter, right? Mm-hmm. Because they hadn't had provisions enough to have, you know, uh, normal expert. foods. You expert. So anyway. <laughs> How much does a hobbit weigh? I don't know. You don't know? All right. <laughs> but I'm I mean, just curious. So, so halflings are, you know, no more than half the size of a man. Hey Siri, how much does a hobbit weigh? Should have brought that... Beasts of Middle Earth book. This is what happens. Uh, What I found instead is a news article that the Hobbit trilogy cost twice as much as Lord of the Rings, which is just depressing. That was not the information you were looking for. Speaking of which, did you see that they're re-releasing the entire trilogy to theaters? Because that's something that people... I saw that. And and the extended extended edition edition. of Battle of the Five Armies is 175 minutes long and is R-rated. Apparently, it's R-rated. Yeah. It's R-rated? Yeah. (sighs) Apparently, they cut the most out of anyone... From that movie. Really? Siri just thought I was asking a hypothetical question. It was like, interesting. I figured, I thought Wolfram Alpha might actually have that kind of information because Wolfram Alpha is a goldmine of weird facts. Well, let's just see. I well, feel like anyway. I'm six foot two and I weigh 185 pounds. Let's just say Hobbit is half my height. That'd be like 90 pounds regularly. Mm-hmm. So let's just say like the average weight of a Hobbit is, okay, so this, is dude, this is dumb. This is dumb. <laughs> We're not going to go there. Surely... It would be no 
difficult task for an average dice man to carry a hobbit. This is for my <laughs> this is for my Dungeons and Dragons Tolkien themed game <laughs> where we have hobbits and they need to know how much they need to weigh because apparently that's important. I mean, in D&D, because there's, there's a halflings. Yeah. Anyway, I, I was a half elven bard named Tequasnip. Long tangent. Bilbo gets carried back to the camp at Dale. And Gandalf uh, meets him there. And, and Gandalf is in a sling. Yeah. So, and that's that was a big thing. It, you know, not... Hardly anybody came out of this battle unscathed. There were, of course, many casualties that we hear about. Um, but also, scores and scores and scores of injuries. And so, even the wizard comes out Yeah, gets with, hurt. Yeah, yeah, gets hurt. And he's the person we thought was indestructible. This right? is an interesting fact. Uh, apparently, a hobbit is... A, uh, a unit of volume in the Welsh system of units, and it is equivalent to zero point zero three six three seven cubic meters. That's weird. Or rather, it is the equivalent of thirty six thousand. Wait, that doesn't okay. Apparently, yes. Okay, it's thirty six liters. A hobbit is thirty six liters as a unit of measurement, or nine point six zero eight a liqui- gallons. A liquefied hobbit. Yes. <laughs> that make that guess that could make sense. Anyway, but the thing is why he was rushed there so quickly yeah. is Thorn is on a bed dying. Yeah. He so... is dying. And so he basically part like says like one last thing to Bilbo. Okay, so one... still, were you still going down this rabbit hole? We're, we're one, done. We're done. One with hobbit this. of water would weigh eighty pounds. Okay. That okay, I'll go with that. And it is 0.55 times the average volume of the human body. And now I'm stopping. Yeah, I'm going to take your phone away. <laughs> so yes, uh, Thorin is dying. It. So Thorin is dying. Yeah, and he knows that he's dying. And he like his dying wish is to talk to Bilbo, basically. That's so sweet. I know. Yeah, it is really sweet. And so, you know, basically Thorin says he's going where gold and silver have no meaning. But... <laughs> His friendship with Bilbo means everything to him right now. And so he's, he says he regrets the way that he behaved earlier. He was completely, you know, stricken with the dragon sickness, right? Um, and asks for Bilbo's forgiveness. And, of course, our little hobbit is gracious, of course. And kneels down at his bedside and tells him that um, no lasting harm was done. And then... Okay. No, okay. Bilbo knelt on one knee filled with sorrow. Farewell, king under the mountain, he said. This is a bitter adventure if it must end so, and not a mountain of gold can amend it. Yet I am glad that I may... Yet I am glad that I have shared in your perils. That has been more than any Baggins deserves. No, said Thorin, there is more in you of good than you know, chief... Sorry, child of the kindly west. Some courage and some wisdom blended in measure... If more of us valued food and cheer and song above hoarded gold, it would be a merrier world. But sad or merry, I must leave it now. Farewell. I'm getting a little sad. I know. This is... Hey, hey guys. I was in a Mexican restaurant eating lunch, reading this book, and that part made me tear up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I was crying this morning. Yeah. The devil turned away, and he went by himself and sat alone wrapped in a blanket. And whether you believe it or not, he wept until his eyes were red and his voice was hoarse. He was a kindly little soul. Indeed, it was long before he had the heart to make a joke again. A mercy it is, he said at last to himself, that I woke up when I did. I wish Thorin were living, but I am glad that we parted in kindness. You were a fool, Bilba Baggins, and you made a great mess of that business with the stone, and there was a battle in spite of all your efforts to buy peace and quiet, but I suppose you can hardly be be blamed for that. For all intents and purposes, that is the end of the book for me. Like that is the mm-hmm. that is the emotional climax to the story that is Bilbo has now done is done growing. Like, he has finally come full circle. Well, not full circle, but he has... Basically, the emotional end of this book was right then. Yes. Everything after this is gravy. (laughs) I mean, because we get to the end of this, the journey's over, a lot of crazy stuff's happened, and as, like, the next chapters go through, we kind of, like, get a chance to reconnect with the previous parts of the book. But Thorin dying... And Feely and Keeley dying, which mm-hmm. comes up later, which mm-hmm. it says later that they were the only other two who died. Mm-hmm. Because Thorin was their uncle. Yeah, yeah. Them. yeah. So the... It, in many ways, the, the task is done. And remember how... So when we, when we began the book, um, remember how one, one, of the, one of the main themes that I think 
is most important in this book and as we've seen is the character growth and sort of evolution of um, Bilbo as a person as I, I don't know where well where, almost where, like in there too it's like it's like Bilbo learned a lot from his journey, but I like in that last bit that Thorne learned a lot from him as well. Because yes. he even comments and says, the part that made me tear up was the part where it mentioned people from the kindly West. Yeah. And specifically was talking about how the Hobbit folk, the people from the Shire, have much they can teach us in the East as yes. well, you know. And that's the part that really made it because it's this whole book has all been the story about somebody who doesn't belong in a situation but it's in it and deals with it kind of coming through. Yeah. And that's what I really have liked about this book so far. And how both of these sides benefited from aspects of each other. Too. Well, and, and how at first Bilbo was afraid. He was petrified. He thought he could never live, live with without food by his side. <laughs> <laughs> but he's spent oh so many nights thinking how he'd love some food but he grew strong <laughs> and he learned, learned how, how to get, get along <laughs> and now he's back from well he'll be goblin back. space yeah, he'll, be, he'll, be, he'll be back soon <laughs> that was our necessary strangely morphed song of the episode it was, it was William Shatner style <laughs> oh my god has William Shatner ever covered that song I have no idea yeah so from this point on, after Thorns died, it's basically like the end of Animal House, where it's like, and they went on to become a lawyer, and they went on to get in trial. Yeah. It was bad. Well, yeah, now, now Bilbo I mean, is it, learning about what happened while he had been unconscious, and well, it just makes him sadder and all uh, the readier to end his adventure. I mean, after Thorne passes away, Bilbo kind of discovers what happened during the battle and the eagles showed up and the eagles took care of the goblins that were swarming the top of the mountain i like to imagine they would just like swoop down grab a goblin fly really high up and then drop and the then goblin. Drop it. <laughs> um, which then allowed the men and the elves to come over the mountain yeah. and, and help you know uh and then eventually bayorn showed up yeah because it, it's told that even with this great swoop in of the eagles uh, it wasn't enough. It still wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. And they still would not have won the battle had it not been for Bayorn by Ooh. himself. Ba Bayorn came in and kicked ass. Well, he was a giant yeah. man bear. Well, yeah. It was like he couldn't get hurt. But he also, so Bayorn had so much rage that he was, and he came in bear form, of course. He had so much rage that he was even bigger than he had been before and just comes in and up. like mauls. He defeats Bolg. He single-handedly wipes out, like, tons, scores of goblins and chases them away. And so now they're... It's it said... Um, I guess he really did hate it, goblins the yeah, most. <laughs> it's said that three parts of the goblins were eradicated and the rest are, like, most of the goblins are either dead or in hiding now, which is great. Yeah, they, like, did not go back to the mountain yeah. or something like that. So, like, basically, it says that this battle basically cleared out goblins for from, like a, a long time for a long time yeah. from that part of the world and so they have a a, a funeral for thorin they bury him and under the mountain mm -hmm. and bard himself places the arkenstone upon thorin's breast and says something sweet that i don't really remember that was a cool moment mm -hmm. where they put the arkenstone with him that... and then additionally there, okay, thranduil so okay Bard says, there let it lie till the mountain falls. May yeah. it bring good fortune to all his folk that dwell hereafter. Yeah. And then Thranduil. And then, yeah, Thranduil lays the, the sword Orchrist over him. And then it's said that after that, Orchrist still would glow when foes were near. So it was as if it oh, was still cool. guard, like, yeah, that's guarding right. his tomb, which is pretty great. That, that part was really touching because yeah. even then, like, even the Elven King was like, okay, this guy was cool. Whatever. Exactly. This burial kind of was pretty clutch. is a lasting symbolism for me of that alliance of dwarves, elves, and men. And then too. what makes what happens next makes me kind of mad. Because who becomes king of the mountain? Dane. Dane, whoever, what is who's dane but he's, he's son family he's son of nain i mean he is family so i guess within the structure they've got i mean my first impression would have been probably the better choice would have probably been someone like Balin. Balin. yeah yeah that's what i was thinking too but anyway what what happens then it, it was weirded worded kind of weirdly 
But it seems like they didn't end up dividing the money after all. They Well, so basically what they, happened... They gave the 14th to Bard as they had promised. Yeah. So now there are... Um, the, the rest of the dwarves kind of take back up under the Lonely Mountain with Dane as their mm-hmm. king. Um, and yeah, there's no more talk of dividing up the treasure amongst the remaining ten dwarves of Thorin's company. Like it and, even mentions like Bilbo. contracts were dissolved, basically. Basically, yeah. They, you know, there's. As it turns out, you guys were a shell company, and, <laughs> and we're 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 not honoring we're charging these. you. No, we're charging you for use of the trademarks, so that it's never actually profitable, so you don't get any profit. To be fair, though. The perspe- the perception of these dwarves coming into the situation is probably like, let's take the money and go. Versus now that the drag like the dragon's gone, they actually have a kingdom again. It's like, well, we should probably just leave it all here and just have a kingdom, yeah, and start investing it in stuff like cocaine and then selling the cocaine back into. The- <laughs> Sorry, I was just doing things. Dwarves about- are not a cartel. Sorry, I was just thinking about money horrible. laundering today. <laughs> that was horrible. But I think additionally, though, the death of Thorin has a lot to do with this. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And the fact they did have the king under the mountain. I mean, it became after a while, the money was the thing they really wanted. And then having the kingdom again became the thing they really wanted. And they right, kind now of they have stuck with home. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, they, they do honor the the bit where... The gift to Bard. Yes. And then Bard distributes a lot of it to various people. And including Lake Town. Including the master of Lake Town. <laughs> who wanders off and basically gets abandoned and dies. Well, what happens, because the master of the old master of Lake Town is such a weak person he falls to this dragon sickness with the treasure and basically steals it and runs off yeah and starves to death everybody has abandoned him uh which is a, a fitting end to to that character um and then beyond that bard is actually the one who gives treasure to bilbo yeah and bilbo says oh thank you but I, or he says thank you i was worried about getting that much treasure back to the Shire without starting a war along the way, mm-hmm. I'll, I will take a, a chest of silver and a chest of gold. Yeah, which Dane gives to him. Which is enough for a pony to carry. Yeah. And then basically after this, uh, he says goodbye to everybody, and he and Gandalf leave with uh, Bayorn. Yeah. And at first they're with the elves, and then the elves are like, come back into Mirkwood with us. And they're no. like, no thanks. No, 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 no. We're going to go around the forest, because that's where Bayorn is going. Yeah, we're going to go hang out with... Uh, with- and, and yeah, with, with Bayor, and because the the goblins are decimated, uh, there are no real uh, perils to traveling on these roads. Yeah, anymore. that the same road where they had been captured by goblins is a lot safer yeah. to go by now. So they get to Bayorns and they spend a couple months. They basically winter at Bayorns. Yeah, they stay until spring, and there's uh, talk of the Yule tide being all nice and warm, and people come to feast at Bayorn's Hall. And I'd like to spend a winter at Bayorn's. That right? seems like an awesome place Wouldn't to be. Wouldn't it be nice? Like the, with the big bumblebees and stuff. Yeah. yeah, like Weekend at Bernie's, Winter at Bayorn's. Winter at Bayorn's. Yeah, but hopefully no one dies. <laughs> um, and then it says that Bayorn ends up becoming like the leader of a big kind of... He's basically a goblin hunter. Well, and, and there's a big colony of men that kind yeah. of grows up around him. And his his line, it's said that they all have that ability to skin change into into bear-like people. But not and, quite and as some, fierce as him. And some were grim men and bad, but most were in heart like Bayorn, if less in size and strength. Yeah, That's like a whole other story of itself. Right? right? In their day, the last goblins were hunted from the Misty Mountains, and a new peace came over the edge of the wild. Uh, and then they get to Rivendell, Gandalf and Bilbo. Well, first, though, so um, at the very end of that, when they leave Bayorn's Hall, I think it's, I, I like the ending of that chapter because Bilbo turns back and, look, and looks oh. and oh, that was just a nice the touch. tip of, yeah. the, of, the mist, of the Lonely Mountain in the distance. And it's like more and more he his persona is changing from Tookish to Baggins. He's like, I'm ready to go home. Yeah, well, that's but, good. And what's let's weird about... What, I mean, it's such a lovely moment at, like, the end of the trip where he can see the tip of the Lonely Mountain, and this is the same pass where they got captured by the goblins. Yeah. But what's weird about this is they kind of lifted this moment and then put it in the second movie when he was on top of the tree and couldn't see anything in the book. Yeah. Instead, yeah. you know? Yeah. But then, um, yeah, he passes, or they, they go to Rivendell, and Gandalf and Elrond are furiously talking, and... Bilbo is pretending to sleep but actually listening. And here's all the stuff about the necromancer. So as it turns out, Gandalf had his own journey. Stuff to do, yeah. He met with the other wizards, and they banished the necromancer from the south of Mirkwood. And Gandalf wishes he could be gone from the world forever, and Elrond's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Gandalf, yeah, yeah, Elrond's (laughs) like, that's not going to happen for ages and ages and ages. 
Um, but yeah, so that was why Gandalf had to leave the company near Mirkwood. Nice to know now. Which, um, of course, if you watch the movies, all of this was spl- made they're, a they're, very, very big deal. Out they're of already drawing that out. <laughs> and then he, Bilbo kind of passes out. And some elves wake him up and they're like, you've been sleeping forever. And he's like, I'm going to sleep some more and goes back to sleep. Then they leave. Uh, it's a great comment about like needing sleep. Like yeah. how much good, mm-hmm. good sleep yeah, Bilbo, is. Yeah, Bilbo is kind of rejuvenated by rest and the magic of the elves. So then they, <laughs> they leave Rivendell and it's just Bilbo and Gandalf. And they pass the trolls and they're like, oh yeah, the troll gold. So they dig up the troll gold that they had hidden oh so long ago. So it's really adding to, to Gandalf, or I mean to Bilbo's bounty. Yeah. At first he was like, but, you want to take this Gandalf? And Gandalf's like, what? Gandalf's like, I'm sure I could use well, it, gonna, but you know, you might you might yeah, be able to use you, it too. You take that. <laughs> so now, like, oh, I may not need that. I may not need that. Wink. Like, I feel like that was a nice <laughs> foreshadow. So now, as, as they get to uh, the Shire... Coming, uh, c- coming to arise, Bilbo could see his own hill in the distance, and he stopped suddenly and said, "He says this kind of very poetic." I was gonna, I was gonna let Katie read it. Oops. I was gonna let Katie read it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he, 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 re- he kind of recites this poem just randomly out of the blue, and it says, "Roads go ever, ever on over rock and under tree, by caves where never sun has shone, by streams that never find the sea, over snow by winter sown and." Th- through the merry flowers of June, over grass and over stone and under mountains and the moon. Roads go ever, ever on, under cloud and under star, yet feet that wandering have gone turn at last to home afar. Eyes that fire and sword have seen and horror in the halls of stone look at last on meadows green and trees and hills they long have known. So he has summed up his entire little adventure in this Nice little and now the misty verse. Ma- and now the misty mountains is referring to my eyes. Yeah. Well, and also like this, like, like truly like this feeling of being back home where everything's green and golden. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the ponies are stupidly happy for some reason, <laughs> and, and it's like it's all like warmth and comfort again and food. And then he goes to his house. Yeah. Well, but and Gandalf comments right oh, after yeah, that's that. Right, he, yeah. that he's, he says, "My goodness, Bilbo," or something. Like that. He says like. You are not the hobbit that you were. He says something is the matter with you. Something you is not, the matter with you. You are yeah. not the hobbit that you were. <laughs> and then my, f- I just favorite thing. <laughs> he gets home and gets they're home. selling all of his crap. There's an estate He gets sale. home and finds a rather nasty surprise where he he has been presumed dead, and the Sackville Bagginses are attempting to move into his home under his own his own stupid family too. But well, the Sackville Bagginses are very greedy. Yes, and he ends up. <laughs> you know kind of dispelling the auction and he stays legally dead for a long time and he has to buy back a lot of his stuff that was sold at auction yeah. just to like get it back quickly but there's a lot of like hobbit garbagey the bureaucracy had to go through well, and, then, and the thing too is that so not only has he lost a lot of his possessions most mostly what he has lost is his reputation because he's been out adventuring you know, and he is now an elf friend and had the honor of the dwarves, wizards, and all such folk as as ever passed that way, but he was no longer quite respectable because he has gone on this adventure. And you of know course. what? He doesn't he care. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't it's care great. what the other hobbits think. <laughs> I mean, and the thing is, is like he he's like got this bad reputation with most of his family, except for his like nephews and nieces. Yeah. Who whom he Tells stories to tells stories to them and gives them these extravagant gifts, which he pays for with his gold and silver, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, especially the Took branch of his nieces and nephews. Yeah, yeah. Hey guys, guess what? One Hobbit of jam would have one hundred and six thousand nine hundred eight calories. That's a lot of calories. That's a lot of jam. A lot of marmalade sandwiches. Anyway, do we do we know any of uh, Bilbo's nephews and or nieces? We sure do. Frodo. Uh, well, yeah. I was, I was about to make a joke, but a I, very, I could not think fast enough. Yeah, a very well-known nephew that will n- come to know a little better. Very soon. soon. What are you saying? Very <laughs> soon. But so, yeah, Bilbo realizes he doesn't care at all about what the other hobbits think about him. And he he keeps his sword in a place of prominence on his mantelpiece. and His coat of mail was arranged on a stand <laughs> in the hall until he lent it to a museum. And I love that, that was detail. That a nice touch. Because in like two pages, we, we, we get this whole richness of the world that there's a, one, there's a bureaucratic nightmare. Two, there are museums in, in the Shire. Mm-hmm. 
Like it's this, I don't know, this little level of sophistication that we really haven't hinted upon in this world. Yeah. Well, and then he starts writing down his, his thoughts yeah. about the thing, and he 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 writes down that well, something he titles "There and Back Again." A Hobbit's holiday. A Hobbit's, Hobbit's holiday. holiday. Yeah. And at this point, the keen reader realizes that we're reading Bilbo's memoirs. Yep. Yeah. Uh, which I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah, where but are you going with that? I don't even know. Uh, so a little bird fall out of your head on that one. Yeah. But it, so now uh, Bilbo has been has taken to writing poetry, and every now and then he visits elves, um, which he, like, he never would have done before. Yeah, I feel like he <laughs> yeah. just every once in a while decides I'm just gonna go after Rivendell because a, Rivendell's awesome. A short little adventure and go and visit the the elves at Rivendell. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, one one day when he's writing his memoirs, so there's a knock later. at his door, and it's Gandalf and Balin, and it says, "If Balin noticed that Mr. Baggins's waistcoat was more extensive." And had real gold buttons. <laughs> yeah. Bilbo also noticed that Balin, uh, Balin's beard was several inches longer and his jeweled belt was of great magnificence. <laughs> that was a great moment. So they just kind of catch up and talk about how they're rebuilding the mountain and how Dale is flourishing and they rebuilt Lake Town and you, the new master is great. You catch up as you do with someone with whom you spent a year adventuring and reclaiming a mountain. You know, I actually <laughs> had a very similar experience about a, just over a year ago. When I was in San Francisco and got to meet for uh, for drinks, somebody I had studied abroad with in Rome, mm-hmm. and I hadn't seen her in a couple of years, and it was just, you know, we be spent awesome. like two hours just catching up, and mm-hmm. it's like there's this special kind of magic where you just remember all the good times you had together. Yeah. So yeah, they there, there's a nice little th- th- uh, note at the end of that. So basically, so now. Uh, Dale has been rebuilt and everything, and the elves and dwarves and men in that area all live harmoniously, and everything's prosperous and great. And uh, there are even some songs that say that because of Bard, the rivers run with gold. Mm-hmm. So Bilbo mm. remarks on that, oh, so the prophecies have come true then. And then Gandalf has this little dig at him. He says, well, of course, it was prophesied, uh, prophesied to happen. Um, do you think that everything that you went through was just your own luck? <laughs> it was you are not a very mere fine luck. person, Mr. Baggins, and I'm very fond of you, but you're only quite a little fellow in a wide world after all. Yeah. Thank good, said Bobo, laughing him and handed him the tobacco jar. Yeah. End of book. Yep. And yeah. then in mine is a little note on the same page. Like if to, you like hobbits, yeah. It says if you're interested in hobbits, you will learn a lot about a lot more about them in the Lord of the Rings. And then it lists the books. And then it yeah. Lists, yeah. So. So there we go. That's it. Hobbit. We're done. The and Hobbit. then we have also there and back again. What was really cool? Yeah, that the illustration. Oh, yeah, the, the illustration of, of Bilbo Bilbo's Baggins, house. Esquire. Bilbo Baggins's house is pretty great. I yep. really did like that. He seems smaller than I thought he would be. Well, the I think what it is is that the house is bigger than you expect it to be. Maybe. All right. So uh, before we get much in. To detail with any discussion, I'd like to play a little clip from I, I had mentioned them a couple of episodes ago. The, the Endless Knot podcast, uh, podcast from two friends of mine who are both college professors. Uh, I was listening to their most recent episode, and they said something that was a very specific uh, utility and importance for us. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to play it. Um, so out of uh, the episode is episode three from Plato to Pluto, and so they're remarking on you know the recent kind of images of Pluto. And they're talking about kind of the naming conventions of Pluto because, you know, the, there's a crater on the moon called Mordor and you know, stuff yeah. like that. Uh, and they were talking about how Pluto got its name and talking about the origin of the name Pluto. Because when I say Pluto, what do you think? Uh, I think of Plato. And I think of that dog. And I think of Platonic. Okay. <laughs> Katie, what's the right answer? What do you think of Pluto? Yes. I think of a planet. Oh my god. Okay, Pluto was named Pluto. <laughs> the, the the kind of public knowledge or the public understanding is that Pluto was named Pluto because it was the Roman god of the underworld. Well, I was going to say they are named after Roman gods. I just didn't really remember which one that anyway, one was. But anyway. Anyway, well, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yes, so they, they end up talking about Orcus. Uh, so Orcus, like Pluto, was a god of the underworld. Um, Punisher of broken oaths. So they're talking about oaths because... Uh, the Olympian gods, when they swore an oath, they could not break. They would have to swear it to the river Styx. Um, so, yes, Orgus will punish a broken oath. And uh, 
probably came from Greek, where there's a demon named Horkos, who was the personification of Oz of Eros. Anyway, so they're talking about the word Orkos and how it kind of percolated into culture. So here we go. They swear by, I'm suddenly blanking, what is the river of the underworld? The river that Charon, we'll come back to him, has to cross. Not Lethe. Not Lethe. Not the other, not a, the, the, um, they swear by, oh, I can't remember. I have to look it up. Sticks, guys, come on. Sticks, it's all, it's the river Sticks. Sticks? Yes, thank you. <laughs> Faster than my Googling. Yes, so the gods, when they want to swear an oath, swear by the river Sticks, and it's unbreakable for the gods. So that's who they swear by. So that's interesting that Orcus is tied to oaths and the those who break it. I don't know what it means, but it's interesting. So Horcus has then a later sort of etymological journey. It gives us the word ogre. Really? Through French. Because of the underworld, not the oaths. Well, it seems to have just become a kind of demon-like monstrous thing and becomes more of a sort of folklore-y figure that comes out of that when you get into sort of later, I guess, Christian Mm -hmm. periods. Well, yeah, everything underworld then presumably just becomes demons for the... Christians. Right. There is an alternate suggestion, I believe, for the etymology. It was suggested that it might, I think this is now not believed, not believe, but that it might be from an early word for Hungarian. Oh, that ogre might be. That ogre might oh, come okay. from a word for Hungarian. Okay. But I think most etymologists now discount that, that earlier theory, and it is connected with Orcus. Okay. The other word, of course, that we get from Orcus, the more obvious one, I suppose, is orc. Oh, right, of course. (laughs) And I think, so now we're going to get a connection to Tolkien. Mm -hmm. I think Tolkien gets, well, I mean, Tolkien knew everything, of course. So he he, he (laughs) certainly knew. assumption with him, yeah. yeah, He certainly knew his his classical mythology. He certainly knew Orcus. And And in fact, I think he specifically commented on the etymology of this word and why he used it. He had in his mind, because it also comes into Old English. Oh, all right. So there is an orc, the reference to orcs, essentially, a slightly different form, in Beowulf, for instance. Right. And a number of other, and in glossaries and things. Yeah, basically it refers to a devil because there's... Is it then the Cain stuff? Yes. Or the the descendants, uh, yeah, the the various monstrous descendants of Cain. That include Grendel. Yes, yes, that includes that, Grendel. That's why that's yeah. brought up. And Giants. So, yeah, I just thought that was a interesting note. And yeah. I, I strongly agree with Avon that Tolkien knew everything. Yep. Yes, yeah, very much so <laughs> after reading this book and the previous one. And then the next one is definitely going to be that way. Yeah. But, 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 <laughs> I'm all over the place. So, now that The Hobbit's done. What's your favorite part of the entire book? Favorite well, part of the entire book? Before we get to favorite part of the entire book, I want to oh, do a favorite man. part of this section yeah, because do... uh, it's it, it's going to be hard to pick a favorite part of the entire book. Can, can I go first on that one? For this section? For this section. Okay. I hope you don't steal mine. I feel like I am. Okay. I feel like no matter what, I'm going to steal yours Probably. on this one. Cause what, what... what was your favorite okay. part of this section? Secondarily, I will say, whenever Thorne's dying and he says those great things about Bilbo, that was awesome mm-hmm. and great. Mm-hmm. But the protesting ponies... <laughs> constantly like having something else put upon them and being like not very happy with that was my favorite thing in the section all right there you go so the ponies protesting about having more gold added to their poor did i, did I steal back. yours uh no really Actually, okay. you, you were right. about to steal mine because my favorite part is there my, my favorite part is thorin's dying words that um if more of us valued food and cheer and song above hoarded gold it would be a merrier world and how right that is my, that, that, that's like I mean, like mine is something we actually didn't discuss, which is when Bilbo uh, and Thranduil are saying c- goodbye to each other. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Bilbo re- retrieves a necklace which was given specifically to him by Dane, and gives it to Thranduil, and Thranduil is basically like, "Why are you giving this to me?" And Bilbo says, "Well, I did live as a burglar in your house for two weeks and ate a lot of your food and drank a lot of your wine," and Thranduil accepts it. Like he didn't, he didn't like turn it down. Thranduil's like, "Okay, I'll take it." It's a really funny moment too. It's just like, well, I stole all your stuff while I was Burger King. Bye. So yeah. I, I could at least give you this. Now see ya. Yeah, yeah, that was a nice little moment. All right. Now favorite parts of the book. Yeah. The whole thing. Yes. Oh uh, I already, I, I already have mine. All right, you yeah. go first. Is just Bayorn's house. That's still like after all this time, that was my favorite part of the whole book. I love the whole stuff with Bayorn. Mm-hmm. I love the storytelling. And bringing in the hobbits or the dwarves one by one is like the best thing I've ever read so far in any Tolkien work. 
That's like, a that very... is. I just adored that. That's that a... that is that is a micro section of why this book is so good. That's a worthy, a very worthy part. And it was so garbage in the movie. Like they didn't do <laughs> exactly. justice at all. Which is why. One of the reasons why I'm when so I first, have so much rage. When I first saw this smog, I was bored. The second time I was, I was just I was actually angry because yeah. they completely messed that because part up. So much was left out. Oh gosh, how am I going to pick a favorite part of the entire book? Mine isn't so much a favorite part of the book as it is a favorite part of my experience of rereading it. I am in a very very different place than I was, you know, when I was 12, or 11. And reading it with this kind of new perspective and new maturity. And also, you know, having gone through now kind of a, a rather extended period of time away and the, you know, coming back home. And, you know, just like I, I can draw parallels in my life to this journey where previously I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And it's just really it's 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 it's, it's sweet, you know? Yeah, that's a good one. And I read the same copy that I read when I was a kid. That's big hardbound copy. I did too. I was this is this is the copy that my mom gave me for my tenth birthday, and it has an inscription on it. Um, it says to Katie on her tenth birthday because everyone needs a hobbit of one's own. Oh, <laughs> I have nothing of any sentimental value towards this book I love right your now. Mom. I know. Because I, I have actually, I actually do have a copy of this book. I have one that's on my phone that I bought specifically for this, so I could read anywhere at any time. Mm-hmm. So there's no sentimental value in that. That was just purely utilitarian. I do happen to have a copy of it that I'm looking at right now. It's on my bookshelf. That that is. I don't know how it worked. It was bought in Israel. Yeah. And then a friend of mine who was from Israel uh, left me a bunch of books, and that was one of them. So it's like this really beautiful, like, paperback copy of The Hobbit that, like, has a big Israeli sticker on it. It's a facsimile of the original printing. Yeah. Also, but, you make it sound like Netta died. You're like, she left. Oh, sorry. <laughs> she went home. <laughs> yeah. Well, she died and went home. No. no she moved. I mean, the thing about this book and, and seeing it now, and this is very different than The Silmarillion, and I imagine very different than Lord of the Rings, which we'll be reading next. I feel like this book, if some kid, if like, I, I imagine like some kid being like, can you read me a story before I go to bed? I can imagine some parent reading this whole book. Yep. To their kid before they go to bed. Because I, I've checked it out. I spent about three hours reading this book. It took me about three hours to read it. I imagine someone could read it out loud for three hours. This is that's how I was first introduced to this book was re- bedtime reading. The longest section we read was like it was like right before they went to Bayorn's house. It was something to do with. Do you remember that? Like it was when they were super in the long. Yeah, it was yeah. that super long section was, we read. Yeah, that it was, was like, like forty pages. Mm-hmm. I almost had that. It was almost like it was almost so long. I was like, man, I don't anyway, know about we actually anymore. haven't gotten to Katie. Oh yeah, sorry, part. sorry, oh. we actually oh. ran all over you. Oh, gosh, favorite part. Uh, I I just. I, again, I don't know that I can pinpoint an exact moment that is my favorite part of the book, but I think my favorite aspect of the book is just the goodness in Bilbo's character and yeah. how yeah. that evolves throughout his experiences. Um, he really is a good little hobbit, and even though he, you know, often he would rather he. He's, remarks to himself over and over and over again I wish I were in my armchair I wish I was at home and I didn't have to do any of this he he does do the right thing he wants to do the right thing the influence of his way of life of this thing that Thorin remarks on when he on his on his dying bed is just something that I think is so charming and that lends itself to that desire for Bilbo to do good yeah well and Having having finished this book now, a lot of things kind of like make much more sense about how this is going to lead us on to. The, let's just say, because we started this, I had only come into this book no, having known the movies. And mm-hmm. I'm talking all three of these movies that Peter Jackson made. How confused I was about absolutely everything. And then I read this book and now it makes perfect sense. Yeah. You- like, I... Never, I, I even before we were got, getting to the Battle of Five Armies, I didn't quite understand it, and now I get it. Like the Battle of Five Armies makes sense. It was not necessarily a, it was good. It was almost about to be a petty fight, and then another, a third party came in, and then they're like, oh, never mind. We got to go take care of that. 
Yeah. See, so it makes much more sense. It's always the this. So yeah, that was the great thing in the, the Battle of the Five Armies. What happens is you know they have a common enemy and it unites them. Yeah. And then from that you have this in that area of the world you have a lasting unity between those groups of people. That for some reason I guess doesn't is so important. That doesn't extend elsewhere. I guess. Is that what that is that is that what we take to mean? Well. Like that little section of the world, it's, but not... I, yeah, th- I mean, that little section of the world, mostly. They, this is There's still, like, a vast cultural divide, yeah. between, especially between dwarves and, and elves, but... Uh, well, I, it is kind of peculiar how they're like, oh, and there was peace in this world, in this part of the world, for long after, and then 50 years later we get, you know, Lord of the Rings. But to, that's a lot more southern. Yeah, and also the situation that is the... I would argue that the situation that comes up in Lord of the Rings is a little bit stickier. Yeah, I mean, it's this is like it goes. This this book goes from a very small situation to a very big situation, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the Lord of the Rings kind of always feels pretty big. Well, there's stuff brewing right now. Yeah, that's as, what the necromancer. That's what the nec- Yeah, so and we're we will be introduced to that. So uh, at this time, Sauron <laughs> is running back off to Mordor. And getting his stuff back together, you Basically. could say. Brewing yeah. some nastiness. I mean, this is me going off of the Akalabeth, mm-hmm. which said that Sauron, after was dispelled from that fortress mm-hmm. in Mirkwood, is back in Mordor trying to, like, cobble together. Well, yep. And it's, it's, it's no surprise that the Necromancer started becoming problematic when the ring decided to... Show itself yeah. again. Yeah. Remember that, yeah, that was... That is so important that scene riddles in the dark um where the ring the ring basically makes itself be found because mm-hmm. again it's trying to get back to its master any way that it can and it realize it is realized somehow for the many long years that Gollum had it in, in his possession that this was doing it no good so it presented itself to a new pawn yeah <laughs> pawn's a good word that is a really good word yep and I imagine I'm going to go ahead and speculate that we've read the Silmarillion, mm-hmm. oh god, oh god, <laughs> and then now we have read the Hobbit, which was really a nice awesome and brief, great. Brief yeah. Respite. yeah, I imagine Lord of the Rings is going to be somewhere in between the Silmarillion and the Hobbit. It's going to yeah. get really heavy. So Lord of the Rings originally was supposed to be, you know, a, basically a sequel to the Hobbit. Yeah, and it. Well, the original intent was to publish it in a two-volume set with the Silmarillion. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah. And originally, it it was mostly about hobbits. Again, they're the most of the the characters were hobbits. In fact, Frodo's name was originally Bingo, I believe. Bingo. And (laughs) uh, that's up there with Bungo. Strider was originally a hobbit named Trotter, I think. (laughs) Trotter. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. And then, so Tolkien gets writing, and things start turning darker, and he realizes this is not the book that it set out to be. And then, thankfully, The Lord of the Rings evolved into what it is, what we know and love about it today. <laughs> but that's a fun little tidbit. That's, about... a, weird, that's a weird thing. <laughs> well, and I feel like it's appropriate that we read this book in the summer. We read, we read The Silmarillion in the winter to spring mm-hmm. and then we read this book in spring to summer and we're mm-hmm. going to read the fe- we're going to read we're going to read the fellowship of the rings so book 1 and 2 mm-hmm. during the course of fall and winter like, and i feel like or, yeah, weirdly appropriate mm-hmm. yeah tail end of summer and fall and then two towers which is books 3 and 4 mm-hmm. we're going to read in the winter time again and then return of the king and then that's summer that's going to be like summer as well after that we'll see <laughs> But before Might we need get this new to book, do... Calaquato. Calervo. Calervo. Just remember, it sounds kind of like a tequila. Oh. But before we get to do that, we have one more movie to watch. Well, one more for The Hobbit. One more for The Hobbit. Hobbit. At least it's short, guys. <laughs> At least it's short. Um... I actually, funny enough, I reread my review of that movie again a couple days ago. Yeah. I was reminded. <laughs> and we will see if oh. it still stands, which I'm sure it will. Um, but yeah, we will be coming back next week with our last episode on The Hobbit, which will, as we said, be on uh, the Battle of the Five Armies movie. Now moving on to The Lord of the Rings, <laughs> which I'm very excited for. I am 
chomp at the bit. I may have read a few paragraphs of it already. <laughs> Unlike with The Hobbit, I cannot find my childhood copy of Lord of the Rings, so I just picked one up. And it's it's like, a, you know, a paperback movie edition with all of them in one. Oh, boy. Which all, is actually, all of them? Wow. Yeah, which is actually what I read as a kid, too, mm-hmm. but I just, and that one has disappeared. Yeah, I never actually owned any of these books prior. I mean, I, I, The Hobbit just kind of came into my possession. Like, I bought all these for this podcast. This is this is the most like apt description of the kind of child I was because we had a track and field day and I was sitting up there in the stands refusing to do anything, reading my copy of The Hobbit. <laughs> I have a similar story in football. Since I played football in high school, there was one time I got in trouble because during halftime of a game, I was reading some book instead of like doing whatever you're supposed to do, stare at the floor and psych yourself up or whatever. You're like, I'm reading. Go away. The coach was a horrible human being, too. Mm. I hated football. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right. well, so we are Talking Tolkien. I'm John. I'm Katie. I'm Chase. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com, and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you're an iTunes subscriber and you like what you hear, please be sure to give us a rating and review. We also have a Patreon account where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help us grow our podcast and help with expenses such as microphones and server space. Every little bit is appreciated. Mm